We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back into the Hook'em Hoops podcast brought to you by the Field of 68. My name is Jason Kinander, joined by Tommy Yarish to talk about a very struggling Texas basketball team who went on the road for a road trip. They won the first game against Cincinnati nearly at the buzzer with Max Ace was hitting the go-ahead shot. And you would have hoped that the Longhorns were able to take that momentum into Morgantown, a hostile environment on Saturday night and get their first win streak going in Big 12 play. But Tommy, Texas was not able to do that. Falling to West Virginia by a score of 76-73. to 73. Tommy, give me some rapid-fire thoughts on the Longhorns' loss to the Mountaineers on Saturday night. Well, it's not a good loss. Obviously, no losses are good. But this is one where, you know, it's a Texas team that is – one Max Aismas shot away from being winless in conference play here to start, and they're heading into their most brutal stretch of conference play here after this. After this UCF game, six AP-ranked teams await the Longhorns, and so being one and two at this juncture is not a really good point to be at for this Texas team if you're looking tournament-wise. I think that tournament is is very far out of the picture for this texas team they really need to compile some wins here and figure stuff out fast but when you look at the west virginia game you know what stands out to me is when you look at the box score you really you really think okay i can see why this is a three-point game but and then you check in it's fairly evenly matched and then you check a little bit a little bit more Texas, 22 turnovers and 28 fouls. West Virginia had 41 free throw shots. You're not going to win basketball games doing that. To be fair, West Virginia missed 14 of their free throws. They could have blown Texas out if they knocked down some more of their free throw shots. But uh, the Longhorns just continuing to struggle. It seems like their offensive hope is that someone scores you know, 30 points a game, which Max Aismas did arguably his best game in a Longhorn uniform. And then it's just a bunch of prayers hoping that someone else steps up, which you could make the point that, you know, Dylan DeSue certainly tried his best 18 points. He's been playing really well. He's probably the only bright spot. He and Max Ace was for this Texas team, but there, it, it, it just seems like there's no consistent offensive help outside of those two. Tyrese Hunter held to just four points in this one. Dylan Mitchell added only eight and four rebounds. So 
this team is, is really struggling, Jason. And it, it seems to me, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on this, that the biggest issue is I don't think there is a, a uh, maybe the better way to word this is Texas has a serious rotation problem. Outside of the starting five, it seems like whoever they bring in just isn't adding any sort of like value or energy off the bench or any contribution. I mean, you look at the Texas bench, a combined nine points between two guys when four guys came off the bench and, you know, Caden Shedrick only played four minutes, but Zarico Nyim gave you four points and Kendall Weaver gave you five. So if you're playing a seven-man rotation, nine points off the bench isn't going to help you out very much. Um, and then, you know, three guys in your starting lineup both held to single figures, two of them held to under five points. I mean, it, it seems like the rotation is is one of the bigger issues to me, Jason. Yeah, well, first of all, this isn't a very deep Texas team. I mean, we talked in our last show about how Texas needed somebody to step up on the bench, and that's yet to happen. I mean, Ethel Horton was a guy who we highlighted as somebody who needs to get going for Texas, and he was held scoreless yet again off the bench on Saturday. Something's going on with Caden Shedrick. Obviously, he is not fully healthy. He only played four minutes in this one off the bench. Texas is going to need a lot more from him. They need him to get healthy because – the big issue defensively is they can't size up against these teams. We talked about how Texas had a very clear size advantage against West Virginia with Jesse Edwards, their only true center, being out for this game. And Texas really struggled. I believe that they got out-rebounded. They did get out-rebounded again. And the big storyline was the six foot eight forward, Patrick Sumnick on West Virginia, who went off for career highs of 16 points and six rebounds. Tommy, he is a six foot eight transfer from Robert Morris, and he bodied Texas. I have nothing against Patrick Sumnick. He played the game of his life. He has stepped up as a good role player for West Virginia. But oh my goodness, if Texas can't stop Patrick Sumnick, they are in big trouble down the stretch of big 12 play that they are about to enter into. This is a team that they have issues offensively. They can't score outside of Max Aismas and Dylan DeSue. Somehow they escaped with the winning in Cincinnati when that was the case. And then they, you know, they lost to West Virginia because when you only have two guys in double figures in the big 12 on the road, you're not going to win. Like it doesn't matter if those two guys are combining for 60 points, you're not going to win. And, you know, Tyree or Max Aismas and Dylan DeSue combined for 50 points. And then Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell combined for 12 points. Like, that can't happen. And Dylan Mitchell needs to have a better game than that. Like, that should have been a positive matchup against Patrick Sumnick, a guy who is not the most athletic, has the same size as Mitchell, but not the same build at all. Dylan Mitchell should have been able to run circles around him. And he just wasn't able to get going, you know. It wasn't the Dylan Mitchell that we've seen at times this season who has been able to play so well within his role and fill it up and grab rebounds, been kind of a double-double machine. So the issues are all over for Texas. And, you know, they need to figure it out quickly. When we talked to Eric Henry on our last podcast episode, he said that, you know, this Texas team, they are what they are defensively. Like, that's not something that's going to get figured out. And that's true. You know, if they can hold West Virginia, who they're not a great team, but – their offense is still pretty good, 76 points at home. Like, yeah, they should have still been in that game. Like, the, the defense, like, uh, Texas' defense isn't really my concern right now. Right now it's the offense because Tyrese Hunter didn't have the game that he was supposed to have on Saturday. And I know that, you know, you'll have more to talk to you about this, but the rotation issue is the fact that Brock Cunningham is starting. And right now maybe Texas doesn't have the personnel with Caden Shedrick being – um 
you know, banged up and only able to play four minutes in that game on Saturday. Maybe that's why uh, Brock Cunningham has to be stretched out for 30 minutes. But, I mean, we talked about it in our last episode. He has been playing some of the worst basketball of his Texas career, and yet Rodney Terry is really sticking with him. He's playing thirty. He played 30 minutes on Saturday. Where do you think the rotation fix comes? Because the defensive game isn't going to get fixed. And offensively, it seems like they're sort of settling into who they are. What do you think the rotation fix is? Like, Ronnie Terry has to throw darts at the board at this point in order to catch fire in Big 12 play and get back into the tournament picture. Well, I think the easy answer is send Brock Cunningham to the bench. I mean, this dude has no business playing 30 minutes a game in the Big 12. I, I, I Again, like I said in the last episode, I understand. He's the glue guy. He's the culture guy. That is great in practice. That is not great in high-level Division One basketball. This guy is playing 30 minutes a game or north of 20 minutes every single night, and he's not scoring. I think, Jason, you and I talked before the show, he's had, what, four points in his last three games? He's played 80 minutes He's fouled out of the last two games that he's played in. And this game, he scores two points, takes two shots, doesn't make them. The two points came from the free throw line, gives you four rebounds, two assists, one steal. You're telling me that there is no one else on this Texas roster that can give you that kind of production or better in 30 minutes. There's no one else. You're telling me that Zarek Onyema can't do that for you. You're telling me that Kendall Weaver can't do that for you. You're telling me that even amidst his struggles, IT Horton can't do that for you in the starting lineup. I think that's completely blasphemous. Brock Cunningham has no business playing 30 minutes a game. And at this point, he has no business scratching 15 the way that he's been playing. He's just been completely off shooting the ball. He's a liability on defense, but you know, you could say this whole Texas team has a bit of a liability issue on defense. But I think that by far is the biggest problem. It is absolutely jarring to me that this Texas team is trying to force Brock Cunningham to be a good high-level Division I basketball player when the fact is it's, he's not. He's not a good high-level Division I basketball player. I'm not saying he's terrible at basketball, but he's playing like it. I mean, it, 30 minutes a game, I could probably give you the same production, if not better, than Brock Cunningham in 30 minutes a game. So that, <laughs> that, that to me is just the biggest issue. And then going back to IT Horton, I mean – that that's that's becoming a problem i think jason i really think it is because he when he does play he's not playing well so you have to think that's getting after him mentally um and you know if he's mentally not there and he's not getting the chance to get his shot back and get back in rhythm then you wonder how much longer of a leash this experiment has to play on before you start thinking like okay maybe you 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 look towards you look a little bit deeper in your bench. Like I said on the last episode, I think Chris Johnson needs an uptick in minutes. We haven't seen him at all in Big 12 play. And this is a you know high-level recruit who who you stole from Bill Self at the end of the signing period to to get on your team and try to help you out, try to help you out and win some games. I think he can certainly do that. And he can certainly, you know give you more production than what Texas has seen on the bench the last couple of games. I mean, like I said, two guys combining for nine points off the bench, you know, why not give your young guy a look and try to give him some energy off the bench and some opportunities to continue to play? Well, I get that, you know, there's a big adjustment coming from playing college or playing a high school ball, even, even though he did play at Mount Verde with some of the best players in the country to playing in the big 12. And, and yes, there is growing pains with that, but 
man, I have to think that you would rather stomach those growing pains than have nine points off the bench and have Brock Cunningham play 30 minutes a game only to score two points while he fouls out. Um, I, I think that those two those two things really are are would be my fix at least for for how to get this rotation issue out of the system for Texas. What do you think? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, you know, I think that a big problem with this Texas team is like, you know, I said at the start of the show, it's not a deep team and they can't dig so deep to find the solution because at the end of the day, they they didn't really excel in the transfer portal and they brought in a recruiting class of two guys, Chris Johnson and Devin Pryor, who both aren't ready to play, you know, clearly aren't ready to to crack the rotation in conference play at the very least. And so I just can't help but think what this team would look like if they had A.J. Johnson. I looked up the other day his stats in uh, in Australia, and he's averaging two points and one assist, you know. And to just think about what it, what what could have been if A.J. Johnson were on campus, he'd probably be the sixth man off the bench this year, scoring at a high level. Like, that's what Texas needs. They need somebody who can score at a high level. And I think that the other issue is, like, Texas has played a lot of two-man game at times with – Max Smith and Dylan DeSue, and it doesn't really allow other players to get involved. Like Dylan Mitchell gets these touches because he grabs rebounds and he tr- and he stretches the floor, but he's never really able to get into a rhythm offensively. I think that was part of the problem against West Virginia. Tyrese Hunter only had four points. Ball just wasn't in his hands enough. You know, he wasn't getting open looks. He's made his open looks for the greater part of this season. Back to your Brock Cunningham point, he's just not having a very efficient season. Last season, he shot 41% from three. Season before, he shot nearly 50% from three. Tommy, he's back down to 33% from beyond the arc. I just think that Texas 
Texas needs to find their solution elsewhere. They're getting production from Dylan DeSue from free, but there are other ways for Texas to fill it up. Theo Horton, if he can get going, if he can start producing like he did at the start of the season, 10 points a night would be massive off the bench because that's what Texas doesn't have that the other teams in the Big 12 have. And as we start pivoting into previewing this UCF game, if they don't win this one, we're going to have to have some serious conversations about this year's Texas basketball team because this UCF team, you know, Jeff Goodman calls them a fringe NIT team at best. I'm going to have to agree with that. They beat Kansas. They played their absolute best brand of basketball, but it's a team that doesn't have very many scoring options. And back on the home court, it's going to be freezing cold in Austin on Wednesday night. There's nothing to do other than watch and go to a basketball game. The crowd needs to be into that game. Texas needs to play their best brand of basketball, and they need to spread the love in this one. I mean, Max Aismas has gotten his shot back. He scored 32 points on Saturday. His shot is fully back. He's back in his rhythm. Let's get other guys into their rhythms now. Let's get Tyrese Hunter another 15. Let's get Ithiel Horton 10 off the bench. I think that, you know, Texas, this is their only opportunity for a get-back game maybe the rest of the season. And then they play six ranked opponents. And so Texas is going to need to win this UCF game, obviously. That goes without saying. It would be nice if they could win it convincingly because there aren't going to be very many opportunities for convincing wins in Big 12 play, especially on your home court. And Texas is going to need to find something in this game. You know, maybe somebody has a career high scoring game. Maybe it's Dylan Mitchell. Maybe it's Kendall Weaver. Maybe it's if I mean, if the Orton's not going to have a career high scoring game this season, but um, you know, maybe he has a good game. Maybe Caden Shedrick gets healthy and you know, he, he puts in a double double. I think that that would be huge. Like, Texas needs to garner some positive momentum after this UCF game because afterwards, taking a look at the schedule here, they will take on Baylor at home on Saturday. That's a huge game. That's an absolutely huge game. And then Oklahoma in Norman, BYU in Utah. I mean, that game can almost put the L in the in the loss column, you know, <laughs> the one in the loss column for that one. But uh, we'll talk about that as it gets closer. And then Houston at home, big Monday to end the month. Like, yikes, this might be – this isn't a guaranteed win. There's no such thing as guaranteed wins in Big 12 play. But really, really Texas needs to win this game against UCF on Wednesday. And I'm curious as to how you think they're going to do it because if Kansas couldn't outscore them – with their two-man game of Dickinson and McCuller, how's Texas going to do it with A. Smith and uh, DeSue? As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl. 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. 
you'll receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code field one, five, eight, when you sign up and remember bet MGM is now available under one wallet in select States as a New Jersey resident. This is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Well, that is a fantastic question, Jason, because I have absolutely no idea. There is nothing that I have watched in the last couple of games of Texas basketball that has been like, oh, okay, that is how they can win games. They don't have that, which is which is wild to think about. Their really only prayer is to hope that Max Acemus and slash or Dylan DeSue just go off and that the rest of the crew provides enough help to be able to, you know, get them more points than the other team because they're going to give up, say, 80 points. And just you just got to pray that you get to 81, right? So uh, the strategy for, for me is if you're going to run the two-man game with, with Acemus and Dassou, you know that those two guys are going to get it done for you on any given night, for now at least. Rodney Terry's talked a lot about how Max Acemus is always going to hit his averages. So if you combine that with Dylan Dassou continuing to play well, I think the biggest factor for me in this game is Tyrese Hunter. And seemingly every game is going to be Tyrese Hunter because when he plays really well, this Texas team is flying, they're fast, they're aggressive offensively, and they're putting up some really good numbers. But when he is off and when he's playing like he played against West Virginia, where he only takes six shots and puts in four points, not to mention four turnovers, it, it, it's really ugly sometimes. And, and this Texas team does not have a lot of success when he's not playing well. So, um, I, I'm thinking a big game from Tyrese Hunter is, is going to be the X factor in this UCF game. And then you, you also kind of looked at the Dylan Mitchell. I mean, this guy's just been really quiet, I think, as, as of late. Like he, you know, you're not expecting 15, 20 points from him, but only four rebounds in that game against West Virginia. He, he's got to get up to that double-double area once again, at least on the rebound side of things, um, if, if this Texas team wants to continue to improve. And then defensively, and I know it's kind of taboo to talk about Texas on defense, but when you look at UCF, I think you really have to find a way to stop Jalen Sellers or limit him as much as you can because he's been playing his best brand of basketball in the last two games. They played really good against BYU, came up just short, but still hung around. Uh, a really good BYU team. And then that, just really, again, hope that you can get some sort of production off the bench, some sort of help if Caden Shedrick is back healthy, although he didn't really look the part and hasn't really looked the part lately. You know, you hope that maybe that's your source there. Um, and then hope that Brock Cunningham doesn't foul out and puts up more than two points if he plays an extended amount of minutes once again. And then UCF too. Uh, Jason, I, Mikey Williams from the portal. I did not see that coming. I, yeah. I don't know if there's like a connection there that that I missed, but I, I mean, good good for them, I guess. I I, I, don't, I don't know what we've seen yet from Williams at the college level, but uh, that certainly Nothing. will help uh, will help sell some tickets, I would think. 
Yeah, I uh, according to Truly Donovan on Twitter the other day, they were trying to get him immediately eligible. I don't know how that's going to happen, given what he got arrested for. But if he were to be able to play next season for UCF, I mean, that's a fun addition. Might even save Johnny Dawkins' job. I mean, that, that win against Kansas was huge for them. I don't think that UCF is going to put up much of a fight on Wednesday, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, if Texas is going to show something, they're going to have to show it on Wednesday. And with Baylor coming into town on Saturday, and then you make the, another road trip, two ranked opponents, Oklahoma and BYU. I mean, you have to win this game, and I'm I gonna have to agree with you that it's gonna have to come from Tyrese Hunter and Dylan Mitchell, as well as somebody off the bench. You know, Texas is going to need somebody's name to get called who has who's been sort of an unsung hero this season. Kendall Weaver, if he could have his first double digit performance, I mean, I think that that would be awesome. Uh, if Phil Horton as well would be big. Zarek Onyema, they've started to play him a little bit more, a little bit out of necessity with Shedrick being hurt, but I like what I've seen out of Onyema. I do think that Texas is going to beat UCF on Wednesday. My question for you is, and I'll answer super quick here, I think that, you know, what do you think Texas needs to do to make the tournament? At the, not to make the tournament, but just to get back into the picture. I think the equation is fairly easy. You have four games coming up, UCF, Baylor, Oklahoma, BYU. If you split those games with one of those wins, well, I think the Texas – I honestly think Texas needs to win three out of four here to end up being back in the tournament picture. You need to beat UCF. Probably need to beat Baylor at home, even though we're the number nine team in the country, one of only un, one of the only unbeaten teams remaining in Big 12 play. And then you need to beat one of OU or BYU on the road because in this conference, when every game is a tough game, you need to win some of these ranked road matchups. And Texas won that big game against Cincinnati. Okay, it's time to the next one. Next week against Oklahoma in Norman is going to be a huge matchup. So my question to you is, what does Texas need to do these next four games really until the end of the month in order to get back into the tournament picture? Because right now they're probably in that next four out, even if that uh, grouping of the bubble about six weeks until selection Sunday, eight weeks until selection Sunday. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a really good question. And I think splitting the games is, is, is the same. I would, I would answer the same, but I think the the second game that you need to win is against Baylor. Uh, just because I think that's that's one of the that's a true top ten team right there, and a win against Baylor at the end of the year is going to look a lot better on the resume I think than the win against Oklahoma or BYU, and that's not sliding what Oklahoma or BYU has done so far. But you got to remember we're only three games in the conference play, and you know Oklahoma and BYU are going to get tested by some really really good teams, and I don't think that. They're going to win, per se, every single game that, that they've got coming up in the Big 12. So, whereas Baylor, you know, on any given night, I like Baylor more than I like Oklahoma or BYU on any given night at this point in time, just because of the, the program that Scott Drew has built and some of the players that they have and the way that Jacoby Walters has been playing, things like that. So, that Baylor game is really important to me. And then if you stretch it out, Jason, to this six-game ranked opponent stretch, I think if you get three wins – in that stretch another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 
start hanging the banners, to be completely honest with you, because that would be an extremely impressive feat for this team at this point in time. And, you know, that would certainly help their tournament resume, but I don't know if that would necessarily push it over the edge just yet. Um, Just because, you know, that that loss to West Virginia is really going to linger. That loss to Texas Tech might end up linger, even though I think the Red Raiders are ranked now, if I'm not mistaken. I think they slid into that 25 spot in the latest AP poll. They Um, are. But so is Iowa State. Good for Grant McCaslin, man. That's awesome for them. Um, so yeah, I'm looking for three wins through this extremely tough stretch, and then even expanding out and looking towards the rest of the season. You know, I think you have to split the season, the series with Houston. Um, you know, splitting that would be massive. And then I think the game that could potentially not necessarily be the nail in the coffin. Um, but be just a really big exclamation point for this resume is if they go on the road to Lawrence in late February and beat Kansas. I think that would be a massive stepping stone for this Texas team. The Longhorns have had a lot of success recently against Kansas. Kansas doesn't necessarily look like a championship contender at this point in time, still a very good team nonetheless, but They have not been playing some of their best basketball lately. So if they're able to catch Kansas in Lawrence, I think that certainly helps. And if they pick up, if they somehow find a way to pick up three wins in this incredibly tough six six game stretch, I think that would be super beneficial. And I think it puts them right back into that picture. Yeah. I think it's worth noting that more of the reason why Texas is out of the tournament picture is because of their terrible non-conference slate. And the fact that, yeah, they haven't really played anyone. And then now they play, these quad two, I guess West Virginia on the road is probably a quad two game at this point in time. And uh, they lose those games. And so Texas, if they can win, yeah, three ranked wins on the resume when right now they have zero would be huge. Like that's the difference between, you know, the Texas of right now and the Texas we could see in a few weeks. Like it's college basketball, teams lose. It's the big 12, teams lose. Like it's the best conference in the sport. Texas if you look at the roster and you look at the product on the court the past couple of weeks, like this is not a team right now that's contending for a big 12 championship right now. They're fighting for their lives in order to make the NCAA tournament. And so Texas needs to beat Baylor. They probably need to beat, you know, two of three, two out of three of OU BYU in Houston to finish the month on a strong note. And then, you know, maybe they could be ranked again. Not that the AP poll matters too much, but you know, if they played better when they had a number next to their name, now Texas is finally unranked. How are they ranked the last few weeks? I mean, how did that even? It, it beats me, man. I, I was pretty shocked when they when it came out and they were 25. I was like, there, there is no reason why. Like, they've shown you nothing as to why they, they should be amongst the top 25 teams in the country right now. And I, I think even in this latest AP poll, they still received, like, 20 votes. How? Yeah, they yeah, they received they received a ton. They were like the sixth. They they would have been ranked like thirtieth. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't understand it. it at I don't all. see it right now. I uh, I think that Texas right now is probably and the net rankings. I think that they're fifty four in net or fifty nine actually. They fell from like forty three to fifty nine after that West Virginia loss, and that puts them outside the tournament picture in terms of an at large. And so, yikes! They need to start winning games. I think you know I'm of the opinion. Texas is going to need to have a positive road trip coming up. Like we've said, they'd probably need to beat Baylor. We'll preview that game a little bit more in depth coming up here in a future episode. But for now, thank you for joining me, Tommy. Hopefully Texas is able to handle UCF on Wednesday. Any parting thoughts before we say goodbye? 
Yeah, this is this is a big game coming up. You know, UCF is playing some of their best basketball right now. You come back to the Moody Center, you've only lost one game at home. So this is this is a really big game for for them. You need some momentum going into this just murderer's row of opponents here in the Big 12. Um, so any sort of momentum at this point is good momentum. Um, and, you know, maybe this is a game where Rodney Terry just tries to figure some stuff out. And I think it's OK to try and figure stuff out against UCF because you don't want to try it against, you know, a Baylor or an Oklahoma or BYU on the road. So this rotation, man, it it, it it is really puzzling. And I think it is the biggest problem facing this Texas team right now. So I'm curious to see how how this staff approaches it and if there's any sort of improvement being on their home floor. And, you know, also keep in, keep in mind, you know, with this home court advantage is Jason, you and I are both from Chicago where it gets very cold. It is absolutely freezing in Austin, Texas right now. How many people are actually going to show up to this game? Because yeah, going down to the Moody center from campus. I mean, that is a one, a long walk and two in this weather, man, it is, it's, that's a, that's a brutal, that's a brutal walk right there. And you know, they're, they're, they're always going to be your, your loyal fans, but that might not be as packed as you think just because it is so bitter cold in Texas at this point of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk of classes being canceled tomorrow and Wednesday. We'll see if that will impact the crowd. I still think that Texas is going to hold strong on the home court. I think that the big game is Saturday against Baylor. That's when the, uh, the two losses all time in the Moody center will really be put to the test oh, two, because two, last year, bad. Texas had, yeah, last year, Texas had some fantastic, home court advantages, you know, the game against Kansas and the Moody Center comes to mind. And so we'll see how the crowd looks against Baylor on, on Saturday. But Texas needs to win these games. They need to figure out the rotation. Hopefully Caden Shedrick gets healthy so he can be back in the starting lineup. I don't think he transferred to Texas to sit on the bench. And Dylan DeSue, according to Rodney Terry and media availability last week, this actually became public the day after we recorded. Dylan DeSue will be in the starting lineup for the rest of the season. So a good note for Texas. I mean, he is their second best, if not their best player on the court every single night. So need to see as much of DeSue as possible. Tommy, we'll talk after the Texas and UCF game. Hopefully it'll be a W for the Longhorns. They really need it. Between now and then, have a good one. To all our folks at home, stay warm. It is freezing cold in Austin. Don't go outside unless you have to. Thanks for joining us. Have a good day.